Welcome everybody, you're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. This is Positively Different Radio in the morning with the Double L team, Lyle and... Lawson! Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? Um, that I have insurance on my car. Oh! I had oh. the lamest car crash yesterday. <laughs> no, this is going to be such a good story. <laughs> I already know I'm going to enjoy this. Okay, so... so um, Particularly on Wednesday mornings, I have a lot to I have a lot to do on Wednesdays. Yes, and so I always go and get breakfast from Hungry Jack's because they have a vegan burger there. Yes, and so I've um, gone and I've gotten you know ordered my burger in the drive-through from Hungry Jack's. Yes, and. You know, I, I know that they're going to tell me to go into the waiting bay because they're never ready because you can order anything at Hungry Jack's at any time. Yes. But like, yeah, if it's not breakfast food, then you have to wait. wait. And so um, right. they're like, hey, can you pull around to the waiting bay? And I'm like, okay. So um, I've come around the corner and the waiting bay is kind of like you do, you come out of the drive through lane and do a Yui into a car park. Yes. And there's two of them and someone else was in the other waiting bay. Oh. As I'm doing my Yui into my waiting bay, yes. one of the staff members from Hungry Jack's comes out of the store and starts waving her arms and yelling at me about something like, hey, 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 I, I need to talk to you. Hey, hey, da, 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 da. And I look up at her and I'm like, what? And then... At that moment? At that moment, I realized <laughs> oh, that no. I forgot to stop. And I just had my focus on her, and I've just totally sideswiped this car in front of Oh, no. This is not a good start Luckily, all that happened was that the paint scratched, and I have insurance, and so it was all good. I felt so bad there. At first, the guy was super like, hey, mate, I know you get your details, da-da-da. But then he realized, like, how sorry I was, and he was like, ah, no, look, it's all good. It happens. Yeah, it does. Unfortunately. (gasps) Yikes. Ah, dear. (laughs) Terrible story. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Indeed you will. All right, let's talk about some positively different news. Lawson, give us some great stories. Okay, oi, positively different news. Over the last 30 years, each decade, um, dementia has declined on average by 13% every single decade. Okay, so over how many years? Over 30 years. So 30 years ago, our dementia peaked. Yes, and it's been going down since then. Yes. What's been causing that? That's amazing news. So essentially, uh, from what I've read in this study, this was a study actually done by re- research done by Harvard University in public health, and they estimate that basically like, so there are more people with dementia. Yeah, but there's more people in the world. And this is the point, is that our population is rapidly aging. And yes. so, unfortunately. And so the expectation is that dementia will increase as well. Right, but but in 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 you know per like yes, but, because we're having more people in the age bracket that they get dementia. Yes, yes, but okay. check it out. Over like decade on decade, it's been a consistent drop of thirteen percent. That's that is sensational. Is actually to them, they're like, this is remarkable. They're like, we kind of have some guesses at what could be doing this you know uh maybe the the health revolution that we've kind of gone through in the last 20 years where it's like you know people kind of ran themselves into the ground into bad health and now we're doing our best to kind of come out of that people are a it lot doesn't more really apply in america but even in the united states like there i feel like there would be a a higher sense of what is health particularly amongst 
you know, what is healthy. Particularly it's true. It's amongst true. older people who are maybe in nursing homes and whatnot where there's like programs and whatnot. Yes. Um, yes. Like there, there is just a, and that's what, this is the point though, is that they don't really know. They're just kind of like putting some pieces together and they're trying to go like, because 13% decade on decade is a massive number. That's a huge number. It's huge. And they're try and this is again, this was a you know, research done by Harvard University, like pretty legit. Um at the moment though, they've they've seen that yeah, forty seven million people worldwide live with dementia. Um and this is, you know, this number is expected to triple in the next thirty years just because the population of older people will get bigger. Uh but yeah, the decline percentage wise is just, you know, Unprecedented. I wonder whether it's being driven somewhat by medications that we no longer use. Mm. So, you know, there's a bunch of medications that have been used over, you know, years and years and years and years that, of course, lead to dementia and so forth, and we've found that they have been dangerous and so we've stopped using them. And I wonder whether that is contributing to the reduction Mm. in dementia. Interestingly, they've seen the same reduction in North America as well as the continent of, like, Europe. In, in, yeah, well, that's that's interesting because Europe is definitely more healthy than America. No, nowhere is as unhealthy as America, as far as I can tell. Yeah, and it's anecdotally, anecdotally, Lyle's yeah, opinion. <laughs> Lyle's opinion. But uh, you know, I'm 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 assuming like they're getting a lot of these numbers from you know mostly Western European countries, like which are the most developed European countries. I'm thinking like Portugal, Spain, France, Germany, England, kind of thing. And even that, like, and these are very westernized, globalized countries. So I wouldn't see, even though I, I've lived there and I know that it's healthier than America. I've been to both. I've been there. I know yes. that it's healthier. Yes. But it's not I, hard to be healthier than America. But I will say, like, they're both western countries and the trend across both of them is that dementia is decreasing. That's fantastic. So this is really great cool. News. The other thing that they saw that was also a, a, a consistent trend is that there was a greater reduction amongst men than women. Um, so it balances out to 13%, but among women, it's 8% reduction. Among men, it's 24%. Well, this is positively different news for you and I, Lawson. Yeah. So we, we don't have to look at a, well, the point is, is that there are still lots of people with dementia, but, but we look at a future. I think though, like, as you were saying, whether it's medication or, or good health or whatnot, you know, dementia can really affect. Possibly a combination of the two. Dementia. And also a greater understanding of what dementia is and keeping. And keeping the elderly people's minds active. Yes. So different medications, better health standards, mm. more activity for the mind. Mm. But, yeah, this is really great. I think that we are looking forward to, a, 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 in a sense, a brighter future. I think, though, the problem is still that we have a rapidly aging population. Yes. This is like, which means that, yes, the amount of people, even though dementia is coming down statistically in terms of the amount of people, yeah, the amount of people with it is increasing. Is increasing. And so, as we talked about yesterday with uh, Nick Vujicic and that, what what was the figure? 24% of the population. uh, Yeah, 24% of our population are um, killed before birth. Which is, yeah, we're, we're still it's looking really, at a, really heavy like stuff. R- a really kind of negative. I don't know if this is supposed to be positively different news, but, you know, although we have positive things to look forward to, I think it just... And that's a major contributor to our ageing population. Yeah, right there. and it's, that's, well, that's what we're looking forward to. Anyways, uh, oh, just quickly. Okay, I wanted to mention this story. I, I read through it and, and I thought it was interesting, but just for the sheer numbers, basically in a single day... Indians have planted 
over a quarter billion tree saplings. <laughs> only in, you could only do that in India. In India, I was go like, this India. Is so well cool. done. So they um, have been doing uh, for a while now. These you know massive tree planting exercise, yes. which has actually brought some skepticism about it just because they're like, oh, you can just throw seed everywhere, but are you actually contributing? But what they've said is that 80% of the saplings survive. Oh, wow. So so this is a massive survival rate. So they're planting a massive amount of trees um, in India, and basically they're doing this for, you know, climate. Um, they're, they're doing it because they're like, oh, more trees, more air. The, more oxygen. More oxygen, dealing with pollution. Better mental health, they're, nicer they're, things to look at. They're thinking as well, oh, this could kind of throw off climate stabilization if you're just throwing trees everywhere. But I don't think more trees would necessarily be a problem. More trees is awesome. More trees is awesome. But yeah, never two, have too many trees. Two hundred and fifty million trees in one That's day. This was amazing. a complete volunteer effort as well. Yep. yep. They just like you know got their saplings, went went walkabout, just chucked them everywhere. When, when Indians unite on stuff, they can absolutely <laughs> they can just they're like so the biggest people. population, and they can just absolutely smash things and this, out. This wasn't even a global initiative. This was in one state in in India. In uh, Uttar Pradesh, this is just one state. It's like, yeah, just some people from New South Wales got together and were just like, oh, yeah, let's plant 250 million trees. Well, there's a lot more people <laughs> Not gonna there. Not going to happen in Australia. <laughs> Not going to happen in New South Wales, but I'm glad they're doing it there. And it would be good if we could do an equivalent here. Yeah, 100%. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We need to talk about some more serious news and... For those of you who know me, know that one of the th- something I'm absolutely passionate about is education. Yes, and education is the single most powerful thing that there is in the world, in the universe. Mm. I'm just going to put that there is nothing more powerful than education, and the reason the reason for that is because if you want to change a society, all you have to do is change the educational system, and in one generation, you've changed the entire society. Hundred percent. What 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 is there that equals that in power? There, mm. there is, there is simply nothing else out there equal in power to education, and there is nothing more important than education. The mm. primary purpose of education is redemption, plain and simple. Mm. That's the purpose. That's why education exists, is so that we can ex- we can we can spend eternity with Jesus Christ. Mm. And everything in education should be towards that single goal. And so education is something I'm, I am just absolutely super passionate about. Now, a lot of people get confused between education and school. Yes. And they confuse those two things together. And they often, usually, typically do go together, but not always. Mm. So I've always maintained that you shouldn't let school stand in the way of a good education. Mm. School is a fantastic educational system for about 90% of our population. Yeah. Which is, you know, the vast majority. Yeah, 100%. It's not going to be a great system for everybody. It's it's interesting. Hey, like, I, I just, I've got friends and they say things like, oh, you know, I just didn't learn in school. It just wasn't my thing. Dude, I was complete opposite. Dude, I can sit in a classroom all day, give me a test at the end and I'll get all the right answers. Like, that, I am about the classroom environment. Like, 100%. School is a system. That caters not to everyone, but to some people, like myself, it's yeah, it's where it's at. Now, I, I have a son who's absolutely um, brilliant. He's a genius, and I'll, I'll be happily state that because he's my son and parents get to brag <laughs> about their children. But school was a disaster for him. He was dyslexic, and, the, and, and I couldn't get him out of school quick enough because school was destroying him. Mm. 
And uh, since he's got out of school and he's now, now doing his thing and he's 23 years old and he's workshop foreman and all this kind of stuff, you know, go my son. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because he is in an educational environment that works for him. Mm. Anyway, so that's my, my initial rant. Um, so in the United States, Joe Biden wants to increase education, free education, by four years. He's going to add four years. That's a significant investment to, by the government. To, to high school? Wait. He's going to increase free education by four years. Oh, okay. Okay. Free, I, I going to increase free, free education by four years. He's going to increase education by two. Mm. So basically what he's doing is he's, 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 he's giving – uh, an extra two years of free college, mm-hmm. right? So you've got an extra two years of free college and then he's adding two years to the to the, to the school um, and adding that in for free. Uh, okay, so he's actually – so you would leave school when you're, what, 20? No, you start school when you're two. Oh, that's intense. Really intense. You, you, you're in the system. Two to three, thereabouts. Two to three. Wow. Okay, so he's adding two years. At, he's adding two years to the beginning. So, so rather than K to twelve, it's now K to fourteen. Right? That's, yeah. Okay. Okay. And then adding a couple of years of free community college at the end. So when you when you when, you, know, you initially look at it and uh, you like four years of free education, that sounds great. But then when you start to dig into it, it's a little bit disturbing to me. Do we really want our children in school by the age of two or three years old? Shouldn't they be at home playing Legos at that particular time or roaring around in the bush or the park or whatever kids want to do? Mm. When I was that age, I was roaring around in the bush. Mm. That was my playground. You know, we had we were just out in the bush and that was, that was well, maybe not when I was two, but when I was three, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Okay, and so the question that that sort of jumps up to me that this is another attempt that we have here to divide families and undermine the influence of parents. You know, Mm. get those kids away from their parents as soon as you can, give them as little time with their parents as possible, make sure the government is the only person who has, or is the only entity that has any opportunity to indoctrinate those children. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's a dividing of the family. And this is one of the things that worries me more than anything else. Strong families make strong societies, and the more we do to divide families, the weaker our society will become. Mm. Okay, so the other thing is the two years of free education at the end. Okay, so this is actually meaningless. And the reason it's meaningless is community college is already free for low-income students. Yes. Four years. You get four years free education at community college in the United States for low-income earners. Mm. Now he's saying that the first two years of that is free for everybody. Oh, so this is only good for, like, rich people. But rich people aren't going to go to a community yeah, college because no who wants way. a community college degree when you can get... And you can go to Ivy League or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of meaningless. Um, that's not going to cost him a cent. But it, it's, a, it's a great way of, it's a great way of like, oh, we've created that is some PR right there. Okay, so many educators, educators are seeing this pre-kindy as doing more harm than good because mm. children need their parents and they need to be raised yeah. by their parents. Yes, yes. Um, and so, yeah, this is this is interesting. Now, it it comes after back in 2019, uh, Kamala Harris uh, put a bill forward to increase the school day to 10 hours. Uh, and this was allow parents to work more. Uh, how was that good for anyone? I don't know. Parents need to be parents. 
Mm-hmm. And children deserve, they have the right to have parents. Children have rights. Yes. And their primary right is to have parents. And it seems like some of these, some of this legislation is doing this. By the way, this was called the Family Friendly Schools Act. We're going to, we're going to divide families. We're going to take children off of their parents and we're going to call it the Family Friendly Schools Act. But okay, okay, okay. Is this in an effort to like undo poverty or something? Is that what they? The well, they guy, want they want the parents guy. to be working longer hours so that they can earn more money, so that they can have more wealth, and wealth is going to be the solution to happy families. Apparently, apparently, yikes! That's never been the case. That's <laughs> never ever been the case. <laughs> no, uh, wealth has never been the solution to, uh, you know, to good citizens in the community mm-hmm. and a strong society. It's just never happened. Yikes! Well. This 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 seemingly good thing that you introduced that has is yeah, terrible. It's just, it's just, <laughs> this is this is awful. I did seven years of school. Yeah, well, that was it. Seven years of school, two years of college. That's my educational experience right same. there. <laughs> but my education, yes, you, you're in a similar similar situation. But our education did not stop. Yeah, hundred percent. And we value education and we continue our education. And nobody would call either of us an uneducated person. Mm. Because education is invaluable, school is not the only form of education that there is, and parents should always be the primary educator of their children, and the primary purpose of education is redemption. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, joining us on the phone this morning is David Helps. David, welcome to the show. Good morning, guys, and good morning to your listeners. David, this morning we're going to be talking about eating disorders, and this is something that we particularly find, you know, amongst teenagers. Uh, where do we start this conversation? Well, this is a very serious disorder, which often uh, people, you know, try to hide. Um, we're talking primarily this morning about anorexia nervosa, also bulimia, and we can maybe throw into that pile orthorexia which is an interesting term, but um, all basically where people focus primarily on uh, weight loss and and food and its relationship with each other and uh, often hidden and people that are battling with it withdraws and we think that it's so easy to control. Um, I just want to get to the right uh, weight and then I'll be fine while they find that eventually their perception completely is destroyed and they go from bad to worse and eventually destroy um, not just their ability to make certain neurotransmitters but also destroy sometimes their life. Okay, so um, anorexia and bulimia are you know, words I think that probably all of us are familiar with and as you say, very dangerous conditions because people do die from these conditions. Correct. Can yep. you just, that third uh, disease that you mentioned there, can you just state that one again for us very quickly? I, I kind of missed it. I think it's something I'm unfamiliar with. Orthorexia. Orthorexia. Yeah, it is where people actually so focus on eating healthy and the right food that they actually eventually damage themselves. So I can I can eat the right food, and normally we, especially through this program, uh, recommend healthy living, but um, people sometimes become so fixated on f- eating the right food that when that is not available, they actually withhold themselves completely and destroys them. 
Okay, so um, with these particular diseases, where, how, how do they start? Why, I mean, is it just is it just is it nothing more than social pressure to look a particular way that is the driving force behind these diseases? Uh, that is that is the interesting factor. There is in the psychological literature, medical literature, there is now a, a focus more on that it could be due to trauma. It could be due to um, uh, the pressure of society, peer pressure, self-image issues, but it also can be hereditary. In other words, they have isolated some gene components that is found in families where anorexia is, for instance, and bulimia is perceived. So it is uh, today we're looking at a more comprehensive approach to, to treating these people. It's not just a one fix. It's so easy for family members to say, just, you know, snap out of it, you know, get your act correct. But that is not uh, the way to go. It is far more complex and far more dangerous than what we've previously uh, perceived. So that's very interesting because, you know, back in the day we sort of simplified it and just blamed it on Barbie dolls. Um but so, how much how much did Barbie dolls and that kind of image actually play into this? I mean, you're saying here that there are, you know, this, this is something that can be genetically inherited, and there are a whole bunch of other factors that play into it. Correct. So, when there's major trauma in our life, the potential for anorexia nervosa to develop is fairly large. So, our uh, unhealthy adjustment, to, you know, after a very traumatic event. Uh, so, there is certain genetical uh, deficiency sometimes in our, our, our lives where we have a deficiency in dealing with certain traumatic events. Body image is still a major issue. What is very interesting is that uh, the characteristics of people or, or people that stands the greatest chance of falling into eating disorders of people that have a perfectionistic personality, difficulty communicating negative emotions to people around them, difficulty resolving conflict, low self-esteem, still that body doll image, uh, and a maternal encouragement of weight loss and negatively expressing emotions regarding their relationship with primarily their mother and specific occupation or hobbies that focus on weight, such as gymnastics, ballet, modeling, figure skating, wrestling, long-distance running, etc., etc. So all of those we find are high indicators of people that stand the potential of falling into an eating disorder. Now, we have this kind of impression, well, I have this impression, and I'm wondering whether it's a true impression or not, that this is a disease that affects mostly girls and then extends from there into adulthood. Is that a correct impression? It is. Uh, an erection nervosa affects not just, uh, as well as bulimia, it does not just affect females. It affects males as well, but predominantly it affects uh, women. And uh, we see that statistically that uh, young girls from 16 to 17 are normally the target group, but it often starts 13 to 19 years of age and then early 20s also that it impacts them. Um, it is when 
the social impact, the, the body image, you know, starts to take shape. And especially where people have been shamed or because of carrying a little bit more weight or there's an over-exaggerated, you know, focus on, you know, from a mother, for instance, pointing out a young girl that's starting to develop, that she's picking up some weight, that those girls are more at risk. So in other words, often the mother themselves have battled with these things and now start to portray onto uh, the, their children and it becomes a lasting impression on them. And while I've worked with people where uh, I'm looking at a skeleton with skin over it, and that girl just looks at themselves in the mirror and says, I'm too fat. My body shape is just not uh, acceptable. And, and they just cannot see. Yeah. Mm. They just cannot see what I see. And, and this is something that this, – this is interesting because, I mean, I've – you know, I think we've probably all known people in that case, you know, who start off with a beautiful figure – you know, a classic figure of what our society, you know, currently uh, classifies as being beautiful and then, you know, destroy that figure by going back to skin and bone while thinking yeah. that they are putting on weight. And yeah. when you say that there is some hereditary factors, there's some trauma factors, um, you know, there's image factors and so forth, there's a whole bunch, of, it's quite a complex uh, collection of factors that go into this. It suddenly makes a lot more sense because in the past you know a lot of us have kind of looked at that and like how can you how can you actually think that way uh, yeah. but we see a lot more playing into this than just a body image and to to just bluntly come out you know and say to those people that you look ugly actually worsens the whole situation remember that there's also psychological factors here there is a co-occurring disorder so often that you find worth eating disorders. Uh, often people battle with anxiety, depression, obsessive compulsive disorder, self-harm behaviors, which is a topic that we will later on, on another occasion talk about. But all of these is intermeshed in this. What we find, for instance, with anxiety and with uh, depression uh, in people is that the frontal lobe have been shut down or not completely, but partially shut down. And therefore, the perception and their reason, the ability to reason is, uh, is, is affected in, in the process. So in order to give help to these people as a family, you cannot go in and talk about the weight. You've got to come and address the underlying causative issues and get professional help to get them out of that. So we've done a lot of us. We've done a lot as a society to change attitudes. And so, for instance, you know, the Barbie doll is not so popular anymore, and we have we now have dolls that are more realistic looking. Um, the uh, you know we, we've we've we have shamed fat shaming and you know these kinds of uh, bullying that has existed in the past. Is this is this all that we need to be doing, or is there far more that we need to be doing to solve this issue in society? Lyle, it is important that uh, parents actually from very young age of, of their girls really start to help them. There is still shaming taking place. There is still bullying taking place. But there's much that we as parents can do with our children, our grandchildren, to actually help them to become robust, young, liberal role models for the future that can actually go into an unkind world 
and know where they are, know their identity, know where their identity stems from. And therefore, in spite of the battering and the bruising that they will find in, in the world around them, be able to be robust. In other words, be, to be resilient. One of the greatest things that I find in my work is that the number one struggle that people have is the issue of their worth and their value. And that often sparks a whole array of other stuff. In other words, from very early in our life, even pre-birth, we are impacted by uh, emotions that we have no control over. Our limbic system is like a little sponge, first developing part of the brain that just sucks in all the emotions of the environment around us, unchecked to find whether it belongs to us or not. And that often hampers us later in life. Now, the intent is for the frontal lobe to take over. In other words, to be able to reason and say that the behavior of those people around me is actually only reflective of where they are at in life, but we pull it into our own domain as if it belongs to us, as if their behavior is reflecting our our worth and value. I would like to say to you that our true value is not spoken by people around us, but is spoken by a designer God, a God that, that made us extremely valuable and was willing even to die for us. I think there is probably nothing that can you know, equal that as far as an understanding of our value goes in that you know, individually created, you know, chosen, seen, understood before we were born and then someone that would die for us. I think that's a, a fantastic thought that you're sharing right there. Something that comes to my mind as we were discussing this, we're talking about you know, anorexia, bulimia, um, and orthorexia. The flip side to that, I guess, would be eating addictions. Is the same issues of self-worth at the foundation of eating addictions as it is with these other eating disorders? Most of them has to do with um, self-medication. So I can, in actual fact, uh, or any one of us can, in actual fact, treat ourselves uh, in terms of our own self-image, our own sense of worth and value by either uh, under-eating or over-eating. And we, we're focusing here this morning on under-eating, under-eating which, is, uh, which is, you know, anorexia and bulimia. Well, bulimia actually binge eat and then go and vomit it all up or control, try to control the calories where we see on the other side that people actually put on excessive weight due to the fact that they actually are treating their emotional state by eating. So they use food to do self-medication in no different way as what under-eating is used to also try and and treat some of our emotional, psychological issues. Mm. David, these are big issues uh, that we need to be talking about and we need to be highlighting here uh, in our community and we need to be looking looking out for people that are really suffering with you know these disorders and doing what we can to help them but above all to remember to remind them that they are worth so much in God's eyes. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.